Imagine being aboard a research vessel sailing toward a hidden paradise of crystal clear waters. Our destination? One of Earth's most captivating geological wonders, a blue hole. These underwater sinkholes contain secrets that have fascinated scientists and adventurers for ages. But blue holes are also time capsules, preserving evidence of historical weather events and ancient civilizations. Geologists, archaeologists, meteorologists have all uncovered remarkable clues buried within the walls of these submerged marvels. I'm meteorologist Emily Gracie, and you're listening to Off the Radar, a production of the National Weather Desk. On the show, we dig deep into topics about weather, climate, the ocean, space, and much, much more. Our goal is to help you better understand the weather and to love it as much as we do. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Today's episode is the first in a two-part series about blue holes. Now, if you've never seen a blue hole in person, they're both beautiful and terrifying. Sometimes they're out in the ocean. Sometimes they're right along the shoreline. They're so deep, you often can't see the bottom which makes it unnerving to dive into one. Yeah, you know, you're in this big dark hole with a bunch of sharks swimming around. It is a pretty scary experience. Today, I'm talking to Dr. Jeff Donnelly from Woods Hole Oceanographic Institution. He led a team of researchers to the Bahamas to study ancient hurricanes by taking sediment cores from blue holes. To understand how hurricanes are changing and how our climate is changing, it's important to have a long record. But we don't really have that. In fact, we don't have reliable historical weather information prior to the 1850s. We didn't even start naming hurricanes until the 1950s. So blue holes are broadening that historical record and giving us a better idea of what ancient hurricanes may have looked like and how often they occurred. Jeff is going to share what has been learned about ancient hurricanes and about an unexpected discovery. The edge of the uh, Abaco Island in the Bahamas. We took a core in there. I got a call from the uh, undergraduates who were in the lab splitting it one day. And you better come down here and have a look at this. Now, what Jeff and his team found was fascinating. And it drastically changed what historians previously thought about indigenous Bahamians. So sit back, relax, and hold on as we take a deep dive down into the time portal of a blue hole to learn about ancient hurricanes. All right, Jeff, let's talk about blue holes. Not everybody knows what a blue hole is. So can you start by telling me exactly what a blue hole is? Sure, yeah. Blue hole is a uh, cave um, that has been dissolved into the uh, limestone. The roof collapses and then sea level overtakes it. So it's effectively a hole in the bottom of the ocean. So it's a, a submerged cave that the roof has collapsed on, basically. They're not all in the ocean, though, right? Are, are some inland? Yeah, I mean, they, they usually call those sinkholes. Uh, the blue holes are usually reserved for the, the either coastal or ocean holes. How deep can a blue hole get? How big are we talking here? 
Um, well, in terms of depth, they can be um, hundreds and hundreds of feet deep. Um, in terms of diameter, they can just be tens of feet to even hundreds of feet wide. And they are everywhere, or do they tend to occur in certain parts of the world? Yeah, they tend to occur in the tropics and the subtropics, where you have these limestone deposits that can get dissolved and uh, create these caves. Restricted to a fairly narrow band in the tropics and subtropics. All right, so an area where hurricanes happen to occur as well, correct? What well, indeed, All very right. convenient. Yes, uh, convenient. Okay, so talk about um, blue holes and hurricanes and the connection here. How can you look in a blue hole and see a historical record of ancient hurricanes? So um, the blue hole, this is a trap for sediment. So um, uh, as the ocean uh, sea level rise uh, overtakes it, sediment just starts piling in. And normally it's pretty fine grained sediment that's just driven by the normal tidal currents and things like that. Uh, when a hurricane comes, it mobilizes lots of uh, very coarse sediment and dumps that into the hole. And so it shows up as a very anomalous deposit in the hole. And so we're able to take very long sediment cores in these blue holes and reconstruct the history of these uh, hurricane event beds. Interesting. So it's almost like what's being done in the Arctic when they're looking at cores there. Right. Yeah. It's sort of similar ice cores or even tree rings, right, where you just have this long, uh, continuous record um, that in this case is interrupted by these hurricane events. So how do you get down into the blue hole to extract? Is, is there some sort of fancy machinery that you're sending down there? Or are you diving down? And Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little bit of everything. Um, if it's shallow enough, we can actually send divers down to, to get um, information on the water column as well as what the sediment is like at the very bottom. Um, oftentimes, these holes are so deep that it, it requires some very technical diving, which is fairly dangerous. And so we try to avoid it, actually, if we did all can. Um, so we have a variety of instruments that we can either use to remotely sense what's going on at the bottom of the hole, um, things like sonars and, and things like that. And also, we can send devices down to measure water column properties. Um, to get the cores, we typically use a big vibrating can. It's a, called a vibracore, and it's a, basically like attaching a, a big long straw to a, a big vibrating beer keg, and you just vibrate the straw into the bottom. It's sort of like putting a straw in a milkshake and putting your thumb over the top and pulling it out and the straw's full of milkshake. But in this case, it's full of mud from the bottom of the blue hole. And historical hurricane information. So I'm curious, why not the ocean floor? Why blue holes? Can you not just dig into the ocean floor at any point and find this information? Yeah, and sometimes you can, but what happens is that subsequent storms will come and completely rework the record. And so it gets really complicated. Um, you might have a really nice hurricane deposit and then 10, 15, 100 years later, you get another really big hurricane deposit, it might completely erode the, the earlier one. And so what the blue hole does, it, it's so deep that the, the wave, it's well below the wave base. And so that what, what gets deposited in the hole stays in the hole and it doesn't get reworked by subsequent events. And so in that way, it provides a really high fidelity record of, of what's been going on and, you know, and over millennia. The records can go back many centuries and even millennia. All right. So how long has this research been going on? Because you're part of a team at Woods Hole and you've been doing this research. Can you tell me how it came about when you started doing the research and uh, what you've learned? Sure. Yeah. Well, the the this work sort of reconstructing hurricanes started um, about 25 or 30 years ago. Um, and it was really um, the reinsurance industry approached us and were interested in trying to get 
much better statistics on these really intense but fairly rare events. And it, it happened right after Hurricane Andrew, where they you know really had a lot of losses in South Florida. And so that sort of spawned the, this type of research. It took us you know, more than a decade to figure out one that Blue Holes was a really good place to look for this, and two to figure out the technological pieces to be able to sample down there. Um, and we were really one of the first groups to be able to sort of sort that out. And you know, so it's we're using cores that were designed for the deep ocean to be operated off of big ships, but oftentimes it's only a few feet deep around the Blue Hole, so you can't get a really big ship in there. So we had to do quite a bit of um, MacGyvering to figure out how to sort of um, make our instruments smaller and make our, our platform smaller so that we could actually get into these systems to do it. And so that the actual work in the Blue Hole has only been going on for about a decade. Okay, so you've got a lot of information then at this point, if it's been going on for a decade. Can you tell me, give me a little background on the historical data that we have on hurricanes now and how, just how minimal it is, and then what you're looking at time-wise and how far back that goes? Sure. Yeah. So in the Atlantic, the um, the sort of official database that's, that's maintained by the National uh, Oceanographic and um, Atmospheric Administration only goes back to 1851. Um, so, you know, it gives you 170, 180 years worth of, of hurricane data, which is pretty good. But it, it, it's, um, you know, for these rare events, for any one location, you may have only been hit by one or two events in that time frame. And, and that time also spans the, the interval in which uh, people are having a pretty big impact on climate. And so it may not be very representative of sort of the longer term history. And so what this approach allows us to do is to go deeper in time, sort of explore other climate regimes before people had a big influence on climate and try to tease out what the really important factors are in driving variability in hurricane frequency. And so these records uh, span, um, as I said earlier, several centuries or even millennia. I think our longest uh, records are you know, about 2,000, 2,500 years from the Blue Holes, um, which is pretty exciting. One of the other things that's really um, nice about the Blue Holes is that they tend to accumulate sediments really rapidly, um, which is sort of a double-edged sword. On, on one end, that, that gives you very high resolution. And so, for example, a lot of the holes are, are accumulating at you know, about a half an inch or so uh, of sediment per year. And so as my graduate students sort of go through these cores, every sample that they're taking actually represents about a year's worth of deposition. Um, the downside of that is that we collect, you know, our cores that are 50, 60 feet long, and they only represent, you know, 1,500 years worth of time. Um, and so you don't get as much um, time recovered as, as you would in other systems. But the, the uh, resolution of the record is really unparalleled. So you're kind of a historian. I, can you give me any information as to what hurricanes 2,000 years ago may have been like? Are we talking, uh, you can narrow down categories. Can you talk about tracks? What are you learning about them? Right, right. It's pretty hard to um, to come up with intensity. Is it? In, we, we have a trouble measuring intensity now. We had to adjust Hurricane Andrew from a Category 4 to a Category 5 because have the algorithms right from the aircraft aloft to, to the surface. So even today, you know, measuring the intensity of a hurricane is, is not trivial. And it's pretty hard to do um, in a um, really quantitative way from the sediments because really those sediments are recording the energy at that one particular location, right? It's not sensing the entire storm. It's basically telling you that where that blue hole was, it had really intense waves and currents that were able to mobilize this sediment. So 
Um, so we're not able to assign categories, but what we can say is, you know, beyond a certain energy threshold, which usually, you know, relates to something like a category three or four hurricane, we were able to mobilize sediments and dump them into this blue hole. And so it's sort of telling us that, you know, there were really intense storms in that sort of category three, four or five range. Um, as I said, going back 2000 years or more. Um, and what's interesting is that there's really a lot of quite a bit of um, pattern in how these things are happening in time. So that the probability isn't stationary through time, that um, there are some intervals that are much more active than others. Um, and so we're trying to sort of figure out exactly what are uh, driving those trends. It's hard because we, um, the age control that we have in the cores is, is radiocarbon derived. So now imagine a mangrove leaf sort of floats down into the bottom of the hole and that's preserved in the sediment. One of my students will pull that mangrove leaf out and we'll use radiocarbon to date it to figure out what time interval that that piece of the core represents. Uh, unfortunately, there's an error on that. And, you know, it's probably plus or minus 10, 15, 20 years even. And so we're not able to sort of really precisely um, date the storm. We can only do it within a couple of decades. So um, it makes it hard to, to track storms from site to site because you're not sure you're dealing with the same storm given the uncertainty of the age model. That said, provided with these is just a really extraordinary long-term perspective on the the frequencies of these events. And we can, you know, compare sites, compare regions. And, and one of the really interesting things is that it tends to be really big shifts when, when, for example, the Gulf of Mexico is really active. It turns out that the Northeast uh, is very inactive. And then, you know, the Bahamas will get very active and the Gulf of Mexico goes quiet. And so there are these sort of spatial patterns in the activity shifting around that, that are likely driven by large scale changes in climate. And we're sort of trying to figure out exactly what was going on then. And hopefully that provides us, you know, some perspective for what we might experience in the future, given what we know in terms of how the climate's changing now. Yeah, I was going to ask, like, purpose-wise, what the goal is here for the future. Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of the the modeling efforts going on now, sort of exploring the role of the warming oceans and the in terms of the tropical cyclone activity, suggests that we are going to be experiencing many more frequent, intense um, tropical cyclones because that the oceans are providing the fuel for these storms. And so most of the, the modeling efforts that are projecting into the future are suggesting much more active um, hurricane regimes. And so um, one of the sort of things that we're trying to do is sort of explore that. You know, the, basically, the, the Earth has already run this experiment for us. Um, you know, over the last couple of millennia, you know, the sea surface temperatures were warmer, they were colder. Patterns and, and the ocean circulation has changed. Um, so we can go back to these earlier times and say, okay, the assumptions that we're making in these models about the future, do they hold when we go back a thousand years ago? That sort of thing. Interesting. Are, are you planning to expand research to other areas? Because you've mainly been focused on like the Caribbean, correct? Right, right. Yeah, we've done um, most of the work in the Caribbean. And there's been one paper published from Jollywood Atoll of the Marshall Islands out in the, the tropical Pacific. And we have um, a new project funded that will be taking us uh, on a couple of cruises out in the Western North Pacific over the next couple of years. So this will expand the work from the Marshall Islands all the way to the Philippines. Have you gone on these missions yourself? Yeah, yeah. So in um, 2016, we went to a, a blue hole on Quesal Bank, which is a, a bank that's between Florida, Cuba, and the Bahamas. Um, and it's about 100 meters deep. And uh, the the bank top, though, is about 10 meters deep, or about 30 feet or so. So we we're actually able to get a fairly big ship in there. 
Uh, and the ship was equipped with um, submarines. And so I actually got to go down to the bottom of a blue hole in a submarine, uh, which was very cool. Oh, well, this is really fascinating information. Um, anything else you want to share about blue holes and hurricane history and, and what you've learned? Any fun surprises? Um, well, in one hole, this uh, this was actually a sinkhole that was right at the um, the edge of the uh, Abaco Island in the Bahamas. We took a core in there and um, I got a call from the uh, undergraduates who were in the lab splitting it um, one day. And they're, you better come down here and have a look at this. And so I went down and in the middle of this core, the core is about three inches in diameter. In the middle of this core um, was what we determined to be the top of a human tibia. Um, so a human bone was recovered in this um, sinkhole um, on Abaco in the Bahamas. And we radiocarbon dated it, uh, and as well as sort of the, the leaves that were on one side or the other. Um, and it's pre-Columbian. It dates to about 1300 AD. Um, but it, that's definitely the strangest thing we've ever come up with in the gore. Wow. Did you learn anything more about it? Did did they send it off? Yeah. I mean, well, we've looked at, you know, sort of the isotopes of it and, and looked at, you know, um, a variety of things. But it it's basically it's the second oldest uh, human remains ever recovered from the Bahamas. And we just happened to catch it in a three inch diameter tube. Um, we, we took other subsequent cores around it, thinking there might be other remains there, but didn't recover anything else. So it was just luck. That we managed to collect that one specimen. After my conversation with Jeff, I couldn't stop thinking about this human bone they found. I wanted to learn more about it. So in part two of this series, I'll be talking to a paleoclimatologist involved in the research of this bone. We will find out how they dated it, what was learned about the Lucayans in the Bahamas before the arrival of Christopher Columbus. Tune in next Tuesday. You're not going to want to miss this. Off the Radar is a production of the National Weather Desk. Make sure you're following the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. New episodes publish every Tuesday. If you have a weather nerd in your life or someone that may just want to learn more about blue holes and hurricanes, please share this episode with them. We'd also love you to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Let us know what you think of the show and give me some ideas for future episodes. This podcast is produced, hosted, and edited by me. Special thanks to Ryan Berlin for his contribution. I'm meteorologist Emily Gracie. Make it a great day. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.